<coughs> ah, Hare Krishna, welcome to our Sunday Bhagavatam class, March 20th, 2022. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So today we're going to begin with uh, verse. <clears throat> Excuse me, one fifteen thirty eight, first canto, chapter fifteen, text thirty-eight. This is Yudhisthira now retiring from his position as emperor. So this verse begins Swarat Potram Vinainam Atmanak Susamangunaihi. Toya nivya pating bhumer abhyasinchat gajahwaye. So, uh, Yudhisthira was Swarat. He was sovereign. He was the emperor. Uh, this is the same word we find in the first verse of the Bhagavatam. Janmadhyasya jiton bayadita tascha sarteshu abhigya Swarat. So Swarat means self-governing. It means someone that's not under anyone else. They're self-governing. Uh, so, of course, Krishna is the ultimate Swarat because even an earthly king, no matter how powerful, is under God. But still, on a human level, in terms of earthly politics, Yudhisthira was Swarat. He was self-governing, not under any other political authority. So uh, the verb here is that Yudhisthira Swarat, the king or the emperor, Abhyashinchat, uh, anointed. This is the same word as Abhishek and Abhisheka, to anoint. And of course, the Abhisheka was performed not, mere, not only in deity worship as we do it, but a king was anointed. Water was poured over the king's head and he was uh, sort of symbolically purified and installed as a king. So this is the verb, past tense, abhyashinchat. Uh, so Surat, the emperor Yudhisthira, anointed Potram, his grandson. Putra means son, and Potra is grandson. And he anointed him in Gajahwaye, in Hastinapur. Gaja is elephant, and Hasti is also elephant, so it's called Hastinapura or uh, Gajahwaye, same city, Hastinapur. So he anointed uh, his grandson, who was, of course, uh, Parikshi. Uh, here, it's not his strictly his grandson because uh, Arjuna's, uh, Arjuna's, son is Abhimanyu. Abhimanyu's son was Parikshi. So, but the Pandavas were so united that the only surviving grandson of the Pandavas was Parikshi. The only surviving grandson of the Pandavas was Parikshi, who was in the line of Arjuna, but still he was a Pandava in that sense. So, um, so he anointed his grandson, Parikshit, who was Vinayinam, who had the quality of Vinaya, which means very well behaved and humble. 
respectful, well-trained, and so on. So his grandson, his well-trained and qualified grandson, who was Atmanak Su Samang. Sama means equal, English same. And so Su Samang, he was quite equal to himself. That means that Yudhisthira saw that Parikshit was quite equal to himself. He had whatever qualities or qualifications or abilities Yudhisthira had to govern that Parikshit was up to that standard completely. He was completely equal. Prabhupada translates Susamam as equal in all respects. Gunaihi, by his qualities. By his qualities, he was quite equal to uh, Yudhisthira himself. And so he installed him as the Patim, the third line, Patim, the Lord Toya Nivya Bhumer of the earth, which is bounded by or circled by water. Nivi, Nivi in Sanskrit means like a belt or cloth you tie around your waist. And so the earth, this is sort of a common image in Sanskrit where the earth is described as being belted by or bound by or circled by water or by the ocean. So here, Toya, Toya means water. Just like when Krishna says in the Gita, Patram Pushpam, Falam Toyam, offer me a leaf, flower, food or water. So Toya Nivi, here, Toya Nivya, uh, anyway, uh, because it's in the uh, genitive case. So of the earth, bounded by water, he installed him as the Lord. And and all this took place in Hastinapur. So Surat Potram Vinayinam Atmanak Susamangunahi Toya Nivya Patin Bhumera Bhyashinchat Kajahwaya. So that's verse 38. And having done that, this is very interesting because even though Yudhisthira was the king of kings, but he respected that other parts of the world had their own royal traditions, which were not uh, removed or, or uh, nullified by the Pandavas. They respected leaders of other places. So here, uh, now, the Yadus are returning to their ancestral homeland, uh, Mathura. So remember that when Krishna left this world, that the uh, the sea rose and covered Dwarka. So the surviving Yadus, of course, we know the Yadus destroyed themselves in a fratricidal war, but there were still some people, citizens left, and and Vajra who was a uh, son of Aniruddha, the grandson of Lord Krishna. So he's installed in Mathura. So even though Parikshi is installed in Hastinapur, but Mathura has its own Yadu king. So Mathurayam in Mathura, Tata, similarly, uh, and it's understood Yudhisthira installed Vajra, which means a thunderbolt, as Shura Senapati. The Yadus had a great leader named Shurasena, who was the grandfather of Krishna, the father of Vasudeva. And so he was such a great king that the land became known as Shurasena. And so uh, Yudhisthira installed Vajra as the lord of Shurasena, the lord of the surviving Yadus. And Praja Patyang Nirupyeshti Agnina Pivarishvara. 
and he he did this performing the prajapatya. This, of course, is from the word prajapati. And the prajapatya is a ceremony in which one gives up all of one's political positions, all of one's power, uh, in order to renounce the world. In order to renounce the world and hopefully go back to Krishna. So, prajapatyam nirupya. So, performing the prajapatya, prajapatya, uh, as he so desired, that was his, that's what Yudhisthira wanted to do. He wanted to give up all connection with this world so he could go back to Krishna. So then, this is very interesting. Yudhisthira is here described as Ishwara. He was a lord, self-controlled, and Apibhat, he drank Agnin, the fires. So what does that mean? The Lord drank the fires, plural fires. Um, Prabhupada says, uh, afterwards, Maharaj Yudhisthira performed a prajapatya sacrifice and placed in himself the fire for quitting householder life. The idea here is that a householder uh, must have daily an Agni Hocha at home. It's a domestic sacrifice. So one keeps this uh, sacred fire burning at home and performs the Agni Hocha. And so, and also, of course, other sacrifices. So to say that Ishwara, Yudhisthira, was the Lord and he drank the fires in the plural. Uh, it means that he had internalized all of the uh, the principles of sacrifice because, because after all, why do sacrifice at all? Because it's a way to train people to take something of value and offer it to God. Agni, of course, represents the Lord and consumes the offering, thus accepting the offering. So these external rituals or ceremonies are performed to train us to offer, train us uh, as servants of God. But if one has assimilated this knowledge, if one understands that I'm an eternal servant of Krishna, then in a sense one swallows the fires. In other words, one internalizes one or drinks, literally drinks the fires. So one internalizes this offering process, and within yourself, you are offering yourself and offering everything you do to Krishna. That's the idea. So that so, and then one truly becomes a lord because one has conquered one's attachment to this world, and within oneself, one has internalized that eternal relationship of serving Krishna. And by recognizing the Parameshwara, the Supreme Lord, one oneself becomes a Lord. So that's basically what's going on here. So then, uh, continuing this description of Yudhisthira's leaving the world, renouncing the world, Visarja, Prabhupada translates relinquishing. Relinquishing Tatra therein, Tatsarvam, all of that. So what is all of that? Dukula Valayadikam. Dukula is a kind of uh, translated here as belt, but actually it's um, according to the Sanskrit dictionary, it is um, a very 
a type of fine cloth, very expensive fine cloth that's uh, fit for a king. Just tell you what uh, the dictionary, Sanskrit dictionary says about Dukula. Oops. Right, and it'll come up in the dictionary. So a very fine cloth or raiment made of the inner bark of a plant, which is also called Dukula. So, um, so Dukula Valia. Valia means uh, bangle, men don't wear bangle. What do they call it? Like bracelets. Uh, it could be a bangle for a man. It's a Valia, it's a bracelet. So, all these signs of great wealth and aristocracy, royalty, Dukula, Valia, Adikam, etc. All this, Yudhisthira gave it all up. At this time, Tatra means therein, meaning at the same time that he's doing these other things. And Nirmamo Nirahankara, free of possessiveness. The Sanskrit word mama is just the possessive pronoun. It means of me or mine. And so near mama, meaning uh, no, without mine, that's in Sanskrit. <clears throat> How you say free of possessiveness? Uh, so near mama, as Krishna, I mean, like in the Gita, you'll find the phrase near mama, nirahankara, free of false ego and possessiveness. So Yudhisthira is now near mama. He does not think anything is mine. And, and here, actually, same things in the Gita, nirmamo nirahankara. So that's like a, a well-known phrase, that one has given up all sense of being the doer. Nir, ahang means I, and kara means the doer. So without the idea that I'm, I'm the doer, without any possessive, so to, to think I'm doing it, or this is mine, possessiveness and this ego of thinking that I'm doing everything, these have to be given up. So nirmamo nirahankara, And Sanchina Shesha Vandana. And all bondage, whatever bondage was a Shesha. Shesha means like a remnant. Shesha, like what's left over. So the word Ashesha means like without exception, everything with nothing left over. <clears throat> so and Sanchina completely cut off. So you just are completely cut off all of his attachments, bandana, bondage attachments without exception. So, Visijya Tatra Tatsarvam Dukula Valiyadi Kam Nirmamo Nirahankara Sanchinna Shesha Bandana. Then we have this uh, interesting yoga description, Bacham Juhava Manasi. Uh, Juhava means he offered and sacrificed. So he offered speech into the mind. So if we just think about that. Uh, vacham, speech. Juhava, he offered uh, manasi into the mind. Because in this world, we want to speak, we say things. But as we, as Yudhisthira is letting go of the world, withdrawing from the world, he takes speech 
and he offers it into the mind so he may think things but doesn't say them. So that's sort of a way of self, a type of self-control for giving up the world that you just don't speak anymore. You offer speech into the mind. And then he offered the mind to prana, to prane, actually. It's, uh, anyway, Sunday. So then he offers the mind into the vital life force because the mind is, of course, here we're talking about the material mind, this material faculty, and ultimately there's life itself. So in a sense, it's like saying he offered, he offers speech into the mind, he offers mind into life itself. And, um, and he offered that life itself, which just means the others, which probably translates into the other senses. And he offered the apana, which is the breath that uh, goes through the body and comes out the lower part of the body. So that he, he offered into death. It's very interesting. So in other words, there's full clarity, full awareness. I'm going to leave my body before too long. And therefore, in a sense, one takes that these functions of the body and, and, and they're offered into the impending death. So this is a very sophisticated, mystical, spiritual process to prepare to leave this world in the highest consciousness. So the breath was offered. So sargam, sam means along with, utsargam, uh, everything that uh, Prabhupada says with all dedication. Um, utsarga, Dictionary, um, pouring out, utsarga, pouring forth the mission. There was everything. So it could also be that uh, he offered the breath, that breath, but he also offered everything that comes out of the body. He offered it into death. And then tongue, and that, uh, he offered into pancha tve, into the fiveness. Pancha means five. So what does it mean into the fiveness? Prabhupada says into the five elements. So uh, Johavid, he amalgamated, he amalgamated, literally he offered. It's actually the same verb as above in Juhava. So, um, so the five elements, of course, earth, water, fire, air, and, and, and sky exist outside of our body. So the body grew by taking in these elements from the environment and, the, and, and, and then, you know, using them to grow the body. But now getting ready to leave the body, these same five elements are offered back into nature. And so it's a, uh, this is a very interesting meditation. Uh, of course, we don't do this nowadays. We just cry out Hare Krishna, but uh, you can see it's a very interesting Meditation, a very interesting yoga process to leave this world. So I think I will stop there. We did um, several verses, number of verses. And uh, tomorrow, I mean, sorry, next Sunday, hopefully we will conclude this section on Yudhisthira uh, preparing to leave this world through a process of mystic yoga.
So now we'll see if there are any questions today. Um, again, thank you all for attending the class. Jagat Palana, was Parikshit's government secular or was he, or was he pushing Vaishnavism? <laughs> uh, there is no secular government in in the modern sense because, because people weren't so ignorant. So it was, under, for example, uh, we pay taxes to the federal government or a state or provincial government. So back then, they knew that the devas offering, paying taxes to the devas, the demigods, as we say, um, that's not religion. That's just paying taxes because we're getting rain, we're getting heat, light from the sun. So all those things, you know, those we have to pay utility bill, just like you pay for water and electricity in your in your home. So you. So um, nowadays, people would ignorantly think that was a religious act offering to the devas, but it was just paying their taxes. And, if, and because people were aware that there's a God, they knew it, and they knew that their life was coming from God, therefore you have to make offerings. So again, it's not a question of religion, it's a question of just, they, they were just being civilized human beings and the whole notion of secularism, where you strictly separate so-called religious activities from civic or just mundane activities, social, political activities, that's a result of uh, religious fanaticism. Because there was so much fanatical religion in the West that actually came in through, through the Middle East, um, Therefore, people became just tired of all this, these religious wars and fighting and fanaticism. So they just, they said, in order to have a rational, efficient, you know, moral society, we have to put religion outside the public sphere. So, but normally, if you study history, normally uh, secularism is, was not really the way people lived in, in most times in history. So, um, let's see. Would you like to comment on the glories of autocratic systems with Brahminical Culture Center? Uh, actually, Vedic culture is not autocratic. Uh, I will read the definition from the dictionary. I'll take my word for it. Related to a ruler who has absolute power. Uh, because the question mentions here with Brahminical culture center. So the very fact that there is Brahminical culture means it's not an autocracy. An autocracy would mean that the Brahmins or priests have no power, only the political leader has power, all the power. So uh, actually you have a balance of power in the Vedic system where you have Brahmins who have significant cultural 
and religious power. And then you have the, the Kshatriyas who actually govern as kings. And there's Dharma. I mean, so, so Vedic kings are not autocrats, not only because of the Brahmins, but also because the kings had to follow Dharma. Whereas an autocrat can just do whatever he or she likes. So, Radha Kanta, could you please recommend the complete Galenico? The treatment, complete treatment to surpass or uh, transcend the sense of possessiveness. Um, in this age, Kevalam, uh, pure chanting of Krishna's holy names, giving your heart to the chanting of Krishna's names. That's that's uh, the, the process for the sage. Uh, in today's conflict, so-called democracy is offered as a friend of everyone, is it? Well, I think that would be going a little too far. Uh, most people have certain basic needs and uh, desires, and if those are fulfilled, uh, there are some democratic countries in the world that are awful, that are very corrupt, and people suffer in other democratic countries where people do better, and so it, it depends. I mean, somehow or other, if people receive what they need and there's peace, people are not in danger of crime, and everyone can be reasonably prosperous and happy, then it's a good system, how, however you got there. So I have also heard that because the mind may be too disturbed at the time of death, bhakti determines one's future and not so much what is uttered. Yes, the um, uh, there, that's a, another very popular misunderstanding that at the time of death, whatever you happen to think at that moment will determine where you go. No, not really. What Krishna actually says in the Bhagavad Gita is, Jang Jang Vapi Smaran Bhavam Tejatiyante Kalevaram Tang Tangi Vaiti Konteya Siddhartha Bhava Bhavita. That uh, whatever one remembers at death, but here Krishna is not talking about just something you have to remember, but he says, Sadata Bhava Bhavita. In other words, whatever you've been cultivating all your life. So we're talking about not just a chance memory, like, oh my God, you know, where are the car keys? And then you take birth as a, I don't know, as a chauffeur or something. But, um, but the idea is the time of death all sort of your life comes before you. And so Krishna says, Sada always, Sadata Bhava Bhavita, that he's talking about remembering something because you always cultivated it during your life. It's what you were always thinking about or concerned about in your life. And, and so it's that greater memory, not just what you happen to think of before you die, but your life coming before you and how you how you lived your life. So that means if someone has lived a Krishna conscious life, then they are they will be in very good shape. And also, you can't just live a materialistic life and then at the end kind of cheat and say Krishna. So that's what Krishna is actually talking about. Okay. Uh, 
Theodicy is a word that can be compared with pastimes. No, theodicy means uh, philosophical uh, study or philosophical inquiry into the justice of God. Is God fair and just? So thank you all very much for listening. And I hope we'll be together again next Sunday. Hare Krishna.